Hi, everybody. This is Kaylee Weiss and Cameo Sabanka, and you are listening to Selling Crazy. Today, <laughs> we're all excited. And- we are okay. So, to set the scene, we just hosted an Elevate and Empower class, and Kaylee helped me put the class on this week, and it was just a really awesome class. We just finished cleaning up. We're really excited now. We're like, you know what we should do? Let's drink a mimosa and record. <laughs> so, that is what we're doing. So, um, we're just kind of jumping into this and we decided we wanted to talk about something that we have literally been bouncing off of each other for the last two weeks. And something we deal with day in and day out. And it's managing emotions during the roller coaster market that we're in right now. So not just like our sellers or buyers emotions, but ours as well. I think it's super important. I let my clients know that it's not just them feeling all these heavy Mm -hmm. things. Like every rejected offer is like a blow to my heart as well. Right. But we're the buffers. Yeah. We have to be strong. Yeah. So when we talk about managing emotions for, for some people who may be listening to this and haven't yet bought a house or started the process, the market right now is really aggressive. It's definitely low inventory. So we're seeing our buyers having to make multiple offers and compete with multiple other buyers with crazy terms. Yeah. And when people feel like, when your buyers feel like, I gave them way over asking and I waived this and I did this and I did that and I still didn't get it. There's a question of like, well, what else could I possibly do? Am I ever going to have a house? Or like, what are we doing wrong? Right. I have clients ask me, you know, we went 80000 over asking. We waived the inspection. We are giving them money in case the appraisal comes back low, but we still didn't get it. We got bought out or beat out by, you know, either cash or some other crazy offer. And like, what are we doing wrong? What could we do different? And I think just knowing that, you know, the right house is there for you somewhere. It might not be that one. It might be a bullet that you're dodging this house Mm -hmm. and you're not getting it for a reason. The right house is out there and just keep trucking. That's so corny to say. I know. Well, I think (laughs) there's a couple things to like think about. So one is like the anatomy of an offer and the psychology behind it. So before we get there, I just want to talk a little bit about what what I say to my buyers. I'm all about the philosophy, you guys. Like we do our homework, we make a connection with the other side if we can, we go aggressive, we be as aggressive as we can while having knowledge about the house, we leave it all on the table and if we don't get it, and here's the big kicker, it's not meant to be. Exactly. But that can be hard to swallow. But I think that I've had really good success with managing people's feelings when I go into every offer with that attitude. Like, let's be aggressive. Like, if you want this house, let's leave it all on the line. And then if you don't get get it, you quite literally weren't meant to get it. And something better will come along. Definitely. I think letting my clients know, hey, I want you to go as aggressive as possible, but within your means. We're not, like, selling a kidney next week to make this happen. We're making sure you can still live. You don't want to be house poor. No, I don't want you to be house poor. I want you, if you want to travel, we still have money for you to travel. If you're going to have kids in the future, those little things are expensive. So mm-hmm. want to make sure we <laughs> they get bigger. They do, and more expensive. But we're going as aggressive as possible, but knowing, you know, you might love this house, but if you don't get it, you're going to love another house. There's going to be another one. And it's going to be the one that's that's you're supposed to get. And another thing is, is like, especially for my home, my first time home buyers, most likely some people it's their forever house and some people are buying on a, from a point of forever. 
But for a lot of my first time home buyers, I'm reminding them that guys, this is just this house is an equity tool. It's a pivot point like to hold on to for a couple of years or five years, whatever suits your family. And then we will use it as a stepping stone to launch ourselves into like maybe your forever house or your next house. Like, so it's important to put it, you know, find out what your clients, like what their love language is, what their needs are, what their goals are, and then direct them in the right direction for that. Like if they're looking for a fixer, you know, if they're willing to have a fixed upper because they know they're going to pivot with the house, but they get caught up like in love with one that's like, totally done and everybody's competing for it, then you want to remind them gently of their original goals, right? You want to bring them back to what their original goals were. And sometimes buyers will want to go way over their means. It's our jobs to remind them, like, you wanted this monthly payment because it's important to you that your kids go to a private school. And so we're there to manage all that, right? Yeah, we got to rein it in a little bit. Sometimes. We get excited too. We get attached to these beautiful homes that we see with you and you're the buyer. I'm talking to you. (laughs) If you're a realtor, you know what I'm talking about. But we get attached as well. But I think like falling in love every time you go into a house is so tricky, I guess. It's dangerous and tricky. I mean, yes, like the home, love the potential, I think. But if you love everything about this home, then you don't get it and you keep getting rejected. You're going to get your heart broken over and over and over again. And I think managing the client's expectations and their emotions saying, okay, we really like it. Let's not get our hopes up. If we get it, we get it. If we don't, Mm -hmm. let's just move on. We know it wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And on the other end, like we both represent sellers as well. My sellers are accepting offers for all kinds of different crazy personal reasons. There's no like, yeah, price and terms are important to sellers. And oftentimes price and terms are going to win out. But don't discount the fact that like, if your your agent is talking to the listing agent, if the listing agent will talk to them, because some won't talk to you, but if the listing agent is communicating the seller's needs and your buyers are willing to meet, some of these things, guys, are pretty quirky. Like yes. sellers just want extra time. They want somebody to who really loves the house. They want to know this. or They want to know you're not going to cut down that apple tree in the back of their exactly. children planted in fourth grade. You know, or there was one recently where there were way, way over asking prices. And my seller was honestly offended by it. They're like, they don't know if these are going to appraise and they're not willing to bridge the entire appraisal gap. And so they're just, they're screwing with me. So it's kind of the anatomy of, of a seller's psyche as well, because the reasons that they're accepting some of these offers are very different. So it's all about making a potential, it's a love connection, right? Yeah. The right buyer with the right seller. It's like dating. It's weird. Like, it's just like finding the right agent that, like, speaks your language and, like, makes you feel all the feels. Like, it's just like that. Yeah. It's like we're little love connectors. And we are love connectors. (laughs) I just recently had a deal where our offer was, like, not the highest offer, not the best offer. We had a house to sell. The other offers didn't. And I connected a lot with the listing agent and the She's like, you're the only one that's like asking me these questions. You're the only one that wants to know about my seller and the seller wants to know about your clients. And so ultimately, like it was odd. I mean, it was amazing, but they ended up going with us just because the seller felt like my clients love the house like she loves the house and that they were going to work with her in a nice way because she just has so much going on that she couldn't handle any drama. Yeah. Sellers invest a lot into their homes, especially if it's an older home that they've redone. And maybe their family's grown up there. They have a lot of memories there. They want to know that the buyers are going to respect that and honor that. 
and not just bulldoze the house. Yeah. I mean, unless that's and love the house. what the seller wants. But loving the house, respecting the house, honoring the seller before is a big thing to most sellers. Some so sellers are all about the money. Line. Yeah. That's what we're talking about with like the whole dating thing, the connection, the, like the what's their love language, what's their why, what's their goals. And if you're able to talk to a listing agent and know these things, then I'm not saying your clients are going to get it because if they don't have it, they don't have it but you can at least do the best you can. So if we had to give like maybe some actionable tips to buyer's agents, what would you say are some really like I mean, good actionable tips that they can do to, to really help their offer stand out? I'm going to need some tips too, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like an ever evolving market. Like we can all learn some stuff. I think number one, connect with a seller's agent. Don't just show the house and then send an offer over without mm -hmm. any explanation, without any text or call. I think calling them, seeing what the seller needs, mm -hmm. there might be a rent back that's needed. And if you don't offer that, you're not going to get the house. Right. Maybe you can offer four weeks or six weeks when someone else can offer one week. You have to kind of try to get as much info mm -hmm. as possible from that seller's agent. And believe me, some seller's agents aren't going to tell you yeah. jack crap. Or even answer your call. They're mean, but whatever, <laughs> we'll go into that. But I think connecting with that agent, trying at least to connect with that agent, let your name show up on their phone or their email so that when your offer comes over, they go, oh yeah, Cameo, I saw her phone call come through mm -hmm. and I totally ignored it, but we're going to look at her offer anyway. <laughs> That's a good one. I think number two, be nice. Guys, be nice. So people remember when you're not nice to them. You remember people that are not nice to you. We inherently want to be treated nicely, so we're going to want to work with people who are nice. So be professional. I'm not saying like you, we need to kiss anybody's rear end, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is like treat others with kindness. Build a reputation for yourself as an agent who is fair and kind and does their best for their clients, but also works with the other side towards a mutual goal. Because yes. our mutual goal is both to like serve our clients and to close the deal. So do that because there's been so many times I've got offers accepted because sellers are smart. They're asking their realtor, do you know the agents on the other Have side? you worked with that agent? Have you worked with them? And if an agent has a reputation for being nasty or tanking deals, that listing agent is going to tell their seller that and it's going to discount that offer. And you may just get it because you do a good job and you're kind. So I think tip number two is. Be a good human. Be kind. Be kind. Be honest. Yeah. Don't be shysty. And be, you know what, talk to the agent the way that you would want to be talked to. Take time it's to work with It's the golden them. rule. Amen. Like we tell our children, <laughs> treat others it's, as you want them to treat you. Amen. If you want to be a little turd, go for it, but you're going to be treated like a turd. Well, right. I mean, everything that you do comes back around. So the energy you put into the universe is the energy you're going to get back. I know I say it every single episode. And I'm going to keep saying it because it means so much to me. And it's so, so true. What you do, you reap what you sow, guys. So put good energy out there so that good things happen for you and your clients. And we have talked about this, not on a podcast before, but to each other. Agents working together, we work towards the same goal. Like mm -hmm. Cam said, help me help you. Yeah. We're not working against each other. We're not enemies. Mm -hmm. We have the same common goal. I want my buyers to buy that house from you. You want to sell that house for your sellers. Mm -hmm. Like, hello, there's a bridge. Yeah. Like, we're not on opposite teams. We're on the same team. No, and there's been times where, like, it seems insurmountable, the problems that we're facing. And it only closed because the agent and I both 
constantly communicate and work through it. And if it had been an agent on the other side, like like some of them that won't work with you and just get nasty and it's done. That are on a list that I uh, have in my, my mind. My blacklist. Um, <laughs> then it probably wouldn't have closed. So, again, we just keep beating this into your head. But be kind, good energy. I'm going to attract it. a little story. Okay. Okay. I had clients who were VA buyers. A lot of the times... VA buyers think they don't have a lot of skin in the game, which is absolute BS. They have, you know, the most skin in the game. They have given the most sacrifice to be able to have this financing option. And we offered on a house. We weren't the highest, but the seller wanted to sell to us because he was also a veteran. He wanted to make sure a veteran had the ability to buy a home. The agent was amazing from the get-go. She and I still talk and the communication we had, the rapport we had with each other, with our our buyer and our seller working together, it was amazing. The appraisal came in low. We missed Tidewater for some reason. If you don't know what Tidewater is, Google it. We'll talk about it at some point. And it was $20,000 low. We were able to work together. We gave some of our commission. Sellers ate some. Buyers gave some. And we made it work. And the sellers were super happy. The buyers are like always texting me how much they love their home. And it worked out well because the other agent and I worked together. And if it would have been like someone else in my shoes, someone else in her mm-hmm. shoes, it probably wouldn't have had the same outcome. No, it literally, you could not have done it alone. At all. She could not have done it alone. And it took two people like making, sat work, four people, four parties making sacrifices and working towards a goal. The same goal. It's I mean, amazing. yes, the same goal. And, and, and I've had people say to me like, oh, when you say that, it's like, you're not really working for your client. You're just working towards a sale. That's not true at all. Like Mm-mm. my client's goals become my goals. Like my goal is to protect them through the process. We're still all the way through doing the things we need to do to vet the house and vet the financing and do all these things. But it means when unforeseen issues come up, both agents and I are putting our heads together. We work together. Because I'm still learning things from people. I feel like I've done so many deals and I know I, I, you know, had a lot of situations come up. But one thing I love about this industry is that every day is different and every deal I can learn something new, Every right? Every deal is different. Okay, so let's talk about like tip number three. Tip number three. Okay, so you tip go. number three, <laughs> I think that it's more important than ever to partner with an amazing lender who's really smart, Yes. who knows new loan programs, and who is getting their clients th- basically through underwriting before they even start shopping. That so is so important. It's and crazy, I'm right? seeing it more and more. Mm-hmm. That, sorry, we're not going with your offer because of the You're not fully the lender. Yeah. Not necessarily my clients because my lenders are fantastic, but <laughs> <laughs> in general. But fully underwritten means that basically the lender has taken W-2s, pay stubs, all of the financial pieces that usually kind of start happening once you get under contract. But it means they've already like stockpiled all this. They've already reviewed all of it. And basically the client's like good to go with the exception of like uh, some documents at the end and the appraisal. So these are fully vetted people. This is about as close as it gets, guys, to having a basically a cash buyer is having a buyer that's fully been like put under the microscope and they're ready to buy. So to piggyback that, you get your clients fully underwritten so that they're like they're shining on paper, right? They're they're showing up totally prepared. And then once that's happened, get your lender once you submit the offer to call and talk to the listing agent. I can't tell you how many times I 
this is not happening very often. It's not. And it should be common practice. It should be like total common practice. It should be literally like part of the offer. Like I make it part of mine. I do too. I CC my lender on my offer letter and I say, hey, I've CC'd my lender, whoever she or he is. And then I say, because now my lender can reach out to you directly. And they immediately call them, email them, touch base and say, hey, my buyers are A plus buyers. They are fully vetted. They're through underwriting X, Y, and Z. We have yeah. great relationships with the desk, like everything, like we're ready to go. Like I will get offers. I'll get like multiple offers on a listing. And then I kind of narrow it down and there's like some that I'm interested in. And then I don't just assume that the letter I have is like good. Right. You never do. So I'm calling these. Have you seen um, Inventing Anna <laughs> on Netflix? No. Okay. Everyone else out there probably has, but Cam <laughs> needs to stray from her like murder <laughs> mysteries. It's basically someone who did a lot of wire fraud and oh, no. faking of things. If you have a pre-approval letter, that's great. But you need to make sure as like a listing agent and a buyer's agent that that's a real legit one. I've had clients go online and get rocket yeah, mortgage. Rock- they're not always bad, but as long as they're like real and legit and not made up and forged, you have to like vet it to make sure it's I'm calling bad. them. I'm calling them yeah. even this weekend and I'm like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And, and I'm also gauging their reaction to me because I get it. Like they probably don't want me calling them on the weekends, but that's our industry. And if they don't want you calling on the weekends, <laughs> they're probably in the wrong exactly. industry. But I've had some be like very short with me. And I'm like, you know what? That's very telling of the real kind of relationship sure. that we're going to have. And then I've had others where it's like, maybe I didn't love the, the buyer's agent so much, but the lender's like, yeah, and he's all over it. And I know he has a reputation or she or he has a reputation for communication. So I'm feeling better about it because it's clearly the right offer for my clients, even if I don't love the other agent. Right. But I feel good because it's like a lender that's like, they're on it. If you have all the players that are working towards the same goal, like we just said, it's going to be oh, so much smoother. Even if we have a flat tire, like we could still get to the finish I mean, line we can with get three us, tires. We can get us there. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So t- our tip three is bring the lender into it to fully underwrite your client beforehand and have them call them, have them be part of the offer process. I think tip four would be like inspection stuff. What do you mean? Explain what you're talking about. So I have a client who's a cash buyer Uh and he wants to totally redo a house. And we have looked at so many homes and he's a first time home buyer, but he has this load of cash that he wants to put into a, a house to make it this cool house. He has this vision. And in the beginning, we wanted an inspection because obviously it's a first time home buyer. They yeah. don't want to like have any weird surprises. You should have an inspection every single time. I think so. Okay. But we did just get an offer accepted for him without an inspection because why? We saw it six times. We've been in that house so many times. It's older. We could see everything that had been done and it wasn't redone all the way. So he's like, I'm just going to rip it out anyway. So know your client's goals. Okay. If they're going to just rip the house to studs and redo it, you can probably waive some stuff. So but you're I saying it's super situational. And it is. know your clients it is. in and out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good tip too. I would never tell my clients to do something I wouldn't do myself. Yeah, same. And if you're a first-time homebuyer client of mine and you're – sketched out about waiving something, I'm going to feel that. And I'm going to say, you know what, let's have an inspection. If for some reason they go with an offer that waived it, it wasn't meant to be. 
But if they're going to say, yeah, they're a first time home buyer, you know, we want them to have an inspection. We want them to feel good about buying this mm-hmm. house. That makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. It makes me convey that to my clients. Mm-hmm. I'm like talking with my hands a lot. I know. Cam's like, I know. like <laughs> looking I'm at me like, what's happening? Watching your hands go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> preach this. Preach. <laughs> I think it's situational with that. But if your client is really wanting an inspection, honor that. Don't urge them to waive it. Oh, my God, no. Never. Don't push them into something. Well, uh, and, and guys, the liability for you pushing your client into waiving it's an huge. inspection <laughs> is huge. So don't do that. Don't do that. So, I mean, I think that like 99.9% of the time we're going to be like, if I've had clients say I don't want to have an inspection and I've had them sign like multiple waivers because I'm like, yeah, you need one. And they're like, nope. And I'm like, okay, but we're going to sign waivers that said that I told you because real estate agents protect yourself, you know, document, always disclose, cover your ass. It's okay. We're here to facilitate. We're here to educate and facilitate, but we aren't here to make all the decisions. So if they're making a decision that you know is like against what you would advise them to do, document that. Get a waiver. Get a waiver. (laughs) Get it signed. Get a waiver, guys. Get it signed. Get it acknowledged. And then hang on to that forever. Get it laminated. Get it laminated on your wall with your list. Oh my goodness. Do you have a list? Of what? Which kind of list? (laughs) So I call it my purge list. Tell me about your purge list. So have you seen the movie The Purge? Uh, yeah, like one night a year, you're yeah, I know. just like murder people. Yeah, you just get, don't they ring a bell and then like yeah. everybody runs around in masks and hurts yeah. each other? I love it. It's, <laughs> oh I mean, not I love you're that. You're your Southern Oregon show. No, I'm going to get in trouble for saying Whoa. that. Ben, I need you to edit that out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, we're keeping that in. He's going to put some banjos in the oh background. Oh my goodness. And I'm just kidding. I love Southern Oregon. No, like, I'm Southern guys. So. She's Southern and I'm Southern Oregon. <laughs> Oh, my oh, gosh, this is fun. Um, no, I have a purge list. We've been in this industry a long time. And I think one thing we have always like pounded into your guys's brains is to be yourself and be authentic, be honest, be kind. But there are going to be those shysty agents that just stand out above the rest. Like, oh, man, those ones are on my purge list. <laughs> That's a good name for it. That's gonna get me in trouble, but why? Not like We're I not would like not like I would names. literally go kill someone ever. Okay, so she has to preface and really like in case you know. I'm kidding. We ever have more than five people listening to this who would like not know Kaylee's. <laughs> if you heart. don't know my personality, <laughs> let's have she coffee. Does not and chat. really mean that she's going to hurt anyone, but we do all have it's like it's a I call list. it my blacklist. Yeah, like it's like people who have been there. I am very recently, if not currently, I've been dealing with one. You're adding to it, and she was so incredibly mean and disrespectful and I'm not sensitive anymore about it. We have some overlap on our list. She was like just downright nasty. Like she was screaming at me. My kids heard my littlest one heard her screaming on the phone while I'm on the phone and was like in tears that night saying like, is that mean lady going to come and get us? And (laughs) And you're like, no, I got to go, baby. We're good. Well, now, now that bitch is on my list because (laughs) you make my child scared and crying. Like you're on my list. So but the whole transaction's been like that. And what's funny is at the end, it kind of turned around and she needed help from me. Oh, and seeing how's the, that you know, feel to want help, girl? And it's like, I just wanted to rub it in her face, but it didn't benefit my client and it didn't benefit me. And I will not be at her level. You're a bigger person. So than stay that. at your own level. Don't let those people, their nastiness drag you down. But you sure should keep your list. Like you can keep your yeah, list. Because then when you're the seller's agent, 
you have multiple offers come in and you have this weird offer come in that seems too good to be true. And then you see that name and you're like, oh, red flag city. <laughs> you tell your client, mm, didn't have a great I'm like, transaction want, with this I'm one. like, I've worked with all these people. Do you want to know my take? And usually our clients want to know. They want to know, have you worked with this lender? Have you worked with this agent? Sellers are so smart now. Yeah. They're like paying attention to like all the articles, all the information. Like I've had, I have sellers be like, have you worked with the lender? Like you just said, have you worked with the agent? Like, what do you think about this, this, and this? And I'm like, wow, these are really educated questions. Yeah. I feel like sellers are very informed. Very informed nowadays. And I love that. I love that it's like, a more educated forum. I'm not saying everybody and I'm not saying all the information's good, but I love that like so many people, buyers and sellers are investing and in trying to figure out the process. Um, and they're asking such good questions. They are, especially like, I'm, I'm going to sound super old for saying this, my <laughs> millennial buyers. Your millennial buyers? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'm technically a millennial too, but you're right there on the cusp. I uh, identify <laughs> as Gen X. <laughs> my Doc Martens would tell you otherwise. Um, no, but like they're very informed. They have watched HGTV and all those oh things Lord, and they, oh they are like on it. <laughs> Maybe to, in a bad way. I used to watch HGTV so much before I, that was all, all I watched before I became a real estate agent. And I then once it. I became a real estate agent, I don't have the stomach for it anymore. I can't. I can't. They're like, there's a P, my client's a pea farmer and his wife cleans. cleans <laughs> a pea farmer? Yeah, he's a pea farmer. Like and peas? Yeah, like peas that you grow. We grow okay. peas. Okay. What other kind of pea are you thinking about? I don't know. <laughs> You're so weird sometimes. I love it. So he's a pea farmer and she just cleans paintbrushes for a living and their budget's $4 million. And I used to be like, so cool. And now I get so mad. It's like, I'm I like crying laughing. I see you are crying laughing. It's like my, my buyer is a sandwich artist at Subway <laughs> and a freelance knitter of kitten hair yeah. to make sweaters out of cat hair. And they have a $9.7 yeah. million. It's like, what? They not like, well, they look at one house. They get it right away. Let's take all these walls all down. All the walls come. No walls. There's no structural engineer nope. being no, like, we don't need guys, that. check it out. Which, by the way, guys, that does not happen. Every single time a client takes a wall down, there's like a structural engineer that comes in and pays, charges them like ten to 12000 to put like some kind of beam in. So occasionally you can take a couple walls down, but most of the time it is not HGTV style. And oh. don't do what some of my past clients have done and gotten drunk and just knocked walls down themselves, which bad you, bitch alert. Were you but. my husband's agent on this last house we bought? <laughs> bad Jeez. bitch alert. She's just, just like, I'm done. She goes like, I got walls drunk. Out. He was wearing his demo day shirt and everything. Oh. It was great. So him and this client are just like that. Yeah. She got upset right after she closed. Her husband went out of town. She drank a whole bottle of wine and just sledgehammered a bunch of walls. I mean, and I was like, you, are, I just fell in love. I just fell in love with you. I don't know if your house is going to stand up anymore. <laughs> we got to call you. a contractor. <laughs> but I love you. All of that is to say, <laughs> you as an agent, hey, agent, if you're listening, <laughs> be nice, be kind, be honest, treat agents with respect, treat sellers if you're the buyer's agent with respect, and you're if you're the seller's agent, treat the buyers with respect. Like, your, re- your reputation is going to follow you. Like, if you're not going to be in this industry forever, great, whatever, do whatever you want. I don't care. (laughs) But I didn't get into this industry to just be in it for five years and then leave. This is my career. It's my life. Like, it's my passion. We'll be around forever. We're going to be 85 years old and selling deals and slinging sales everywhere. Slinging sales. (laughs) Slinging sales. So let's talk about managing our seller's expectations now. Because I think it's really important. Some sellers have become, like, totally and great, like, crazy with power. (laughs) 
Like this is a seller's market. I can just get nine million and for I my don't have little to do bungalow. A single like repair I don't, at all. And nothing. you know what? It's possible. It's possible that like your situation as a seller can be that you can like just absolutely ramrod over everything and not do any repairs and not do anything. But I haven't heard the word ramrod in like <laughs> that just showed my age, right? <laughs> I, I, as I said it, it didn't feel right. I wasn't sure if I was saying the right thing. It made me think of Ramblin' Rod. Do you remember Ramblin' Rod with the buttons? My husband was on that show. Shut up. And I wanted be. to be on it so bad. But he has all the buttons, right? The buttons? Yeah. Yes, the flare. <laughs> he had the he had the vest, the vest with all the buttons. And the buttons. Yes, I yeah. love how you say buttons. <laughs> I say some weird things, so I say buttons, and then I can't say. Can you say birthday? No, <laughs> I can't say. I say birthday. I love it. I can't. My husband makes like just say it. Wrong. It's okay. It makes me know that you, perfect Cam, has like a flaw. <laughs> birthday makes me feel like. I'm in the same oh realm my gosh. as you. So I say ramrod. I say birthday. <laughs> I say numb nuts sometimes. <laughs> Isn't that what you say? Is that wrong? I mean, that's right. Oh, I thought it was like it's not the right, right way to say it. No, it's super right. Oh my gosh, I was talking to somebody yesterday and I was like, well, hindsight's 50 50. <laughs> they were like, is it? And or it's like, not. Or is it 2020? Like, I'm. You're like, I'm still like, working on 50. Know, whatever. But anyway, managing seller's expectations. Manager sellers. Okay. I go on listing appointments and sometimes it just is like every personality. Some sellers are like, hey, I think my house is worth this and I run comps and it's very similar or we decide a price. And sometimes my price will be a little more aggressive and they'll be like, I really think that's too much. So there's those people. And then there's those people where you come in and they're like, you you run your comps, you know where it should be priced because you're pricing it right to make sure it gets appraised, but you're also pricing it so it's fair and competitive in order to get and so it doesn't Not a million offers, too. but enough offers. Yeah. Multiple offers. You want an offer. <laughs> you want more than one offer, which is easy to do in this market if it's priced right. Exactly. So, and being priced right means like what updates have been done. Like not, you didn't leave it since like 1970. I mean, that's pricing accordingly, right? And if it isn't priced right, it's going to sit. It's going to sit. So I think it's just like, just like buyers, identify the personality of the seller and then you got to manage it. But some of them are like, you know, they want, <laughs> you're like, it's worth this X amount. And they're like, I want $500,000 over that. Oh, what's I it mean, like to want? <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. Are the toilets gold plated? I know. I, I mean, really, like, I, then I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. And this is like where I can guarantee that we're going to get offers. And sometimes, most of the time, 99% of the time, I show them the numbers. We talk it through. They may not love me at the moment, but they respect me. And the numbers don't lie. And then we'll list accordingly and we'll get great offers on the house. And then every once in a while, there'll be somebody who's like, well, you're wrong. And like, I don't care. I want this. And then we list there and I make them sign a waiver. I'm not even joking. And it's laminated on her wall. It is. And we have situations, (laughs) just laminated waivers where people like there's been situations where sellers have listed and then been mad at me because it doesn't sell. And I'm like, Per your email and your signed waiver, I told you to list here and you didn't want to and you said you were right and you're going to do this. And they're like, oh, I didn't remember that. Have you ever put <laughs> built-in price reductions into a listing agreement? I have not. I have. Why don't you explain what you're talking about? So I had a client. We've talked about her in the past. She was super great. Um, we parted ways and it made my life so much easier. But anyway, she had this golden number in her mind of what her house was worth. Okay. Who gives a crap what the market says per her? Yeah. Who gives a crap what me, the professional, says? 
Well, because a lot of times it's emotional, right? Like she's, I don't think it was emotional. Okay. No, okay. she's a very numbers driven okay. person. Okay. Like she just wanted the cash. Gotcha. She'd already bought a home somewhere else okay. in Seattle. So she so had a bottom even line that she really yes, wanted. Yes, an even okay. more expensive home. So right. she had this gap of what she needed to fill. And it was right before this market started. So it wasn't the wasn't best insane. market. Yeah, no. no. If she would have waited six months, I could have gotten that number for her. But no, she needed to go. Um, and I decided, let's put it into the listing agreement that I'm going to list at your unholy number. <laughs> <laughs> but then if it sits on the market for a certain amount of days, we're going to drop it to this price. Ooh. And if it keeps sitting, we're going to drop it to this price. And if we keep sitting, it didn't get to that point because she was horrible. I think that's so smart. But it's super smart when you have a really, really hard seller who's very hard-headed about what they want for that house. Yeah. I mean, their emotions are monetized, which right. it doesn't work that way. Well, and it's also situational, right? Because like some sellers, they have a place where they're, they already moved to their other house and mm-hmm. they are financially sound and they can let it sit for three months and they're fine doing that. And then other people are like, you need to sell it in two weeks or I'm in financial ruin. And you're I like, love hearing from sellers agents. Oh, my clients aren't motivated. They don't need to sell. So we're going to sit in this one bedroom, one bathroom house for 900,000. Okay. Have fun with that. That's me. That's you? Uh, well, no. I mean, I always like to price accordingly, but I like to flex when my clients don't have anywhere they have to go. You wouldn't on this one, though. No, no. <laughs> Trust I, me. No, I don't know what one you're talking about, but I have I have been in this situation where, like, buyers are trying to push me into, like, sit, like oh, offers yeah. or trying to make me make decisions when I have set a date and a timeline to review offers. And they're like, but da-da-da-da. What if we make it expire the day before and, and we give you 200 grand less? And I, you know what? I love... Like when I have a house, like if I have a house that I've listed and I, and I've put a timeline on it and you want to come and ask me a question like, Hey, if I sweeten this deal, would your clients be willing to look at it? How sweet are we talking? How sweet? Like, I'm not opposed to like presenting like an option to my clients or something like that, but, but there comes a freedom when your seller on the other end is like, I will not look at anything before this time. I do not need to go anywhere. This is my bottom line. Like it is what it is. And don't stress out. And then you can just be like, my clients aren't in any rush. Sorry. So I think it's, again, situational, right? It totally is. Yeah. I think every listing, every seller, buyer, it's different situations. Because these are people. No one's going to be the same. Yeah. No transaction has been the same for me. Me either. Not a single one. And that's like one of the things that I love about real estate is like, it's literally different. I love it and I hate it. It's infuriating. It's a two-edged sword. Yes, it's a double-edged sword. Hindsight's 50-50. Hindsight is (laughs) (laughs) 50-50. I'm going to make that a um, quote. A t- that is our next t-shirt. Hindsight is 50-50. We Bless do have really heart. cute shirts. She though. looked right at, like, she looked at me and you could tell she would, like, <clears throat> want to make fun of me, but she's, like, the kindest and we don't, like, know each other that well yet. Because, like, you would have been like, what? <laughs> I'd have been like, excuse me, what did you just say? <laughs> I can't see. My, my, my eyesight's 50-50, Cam. Oh, stop. I mean, what is, if your eyesight's 50-50, what, what is I it? Are you, like, blind? <laughs> think you're blind. Let's re- let's defer to my mom for okay. that, the scientist. Let's defer to Kaylee's mom. Who is also blind. <laughs> <laughs> Your mom is a blind scientist who we're going to defer. A she, 50/50 she has on. glasses. But <laughs> yeah. That's a totally different a whole other subject. Thing. So, yeah. So, managing your sellers is a lot like managing your buyers, except for you are going to lean on the numbers. You're going to lean on understanding their personalities and their motivations. Do your due diligence on the offers that are coming in too. Mm -hmm. Like don't just take them at face value. Just like 
we as buyer's agent want our lenders to be in the know and on that email Mm -hmm. and checking in, check in with the lenders as the offers come in because you don't want it to be just some Joe Schmo down the hall that doesn't know what he's doing. No, you don't. And and I mean, I have closed deals with Rocket Mortgage and I have closed deals with like online lenders. They're not um, bad. They're not bad, but they're not my favorite. So, mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, like that factors in for me when I'm explaining things to my clients. Like that factors into me when I'm ex- like presenting offers to the sellers because these local lenders that I see come across Guys, I have walked into their office when I cannot get a hold of them because I know where they are and they're in my town. I and I will you. find you. <laughs> and I, it's not that we had a blowout. It's that I needed an answer. I couldn't get a hold of them. It, the, my client's deal hung on the edge of what's what's happening. And maybe they were in a meeting. Like, it wasn't intentional. But I to make myself feel like I was working the hardest I could, I got my car and drove down there and waited until I could talk to them to make sure that things, like, closed. And it did close. And they were great. But, like, there's a little bit of, like, insurance whenever you know you can find that lender oh for sure like and it was them down (laughs) get i would expect them to hunt me down if they needed me you know what i mean because like our entire goal is to serve our clients and if they need to come find me because i'm recording a podcast and shit's gone off the rails (laughs) then please come find me like come knock on this door right now get involved but making sure no one's knocking (laughs) on the door right now i think like the last thing is as realtors, it's hard to manage that roller coaster of emotions with your clients, r- regardless of if they're sellers or buyers, but really know how to set boundaries. We talk about this probably on every episode mm-hmm. about I mean, it's super important. And we just had like the, the best most amazing talk. Yeah. About setting boundaries and, you know, negative mindset. If you're going to get wrapped into this negative, like, oh, crap, we're never going to get a house. Then you're never going to get a house. Get a house. Be positive. I have a text thread with some buyers who have lost out on a ton of houses, but we send each other positive memes and gifts and it's hilarious and they're always cat related for some reason. (laughs) Not my choosing, but like just know your boundaries. Know when you need to set your phone down and like take a breather. Just take a second because you get emotionally involved. And I think like what you said is so important about like you have this great text thread with them and you're keeping it positive. And I will realize sometimes like we didn't get a house and I let my clients know and then they'll, they'll send me something back and I answer them and maybe I'm in a hurry. And I realize like, because I wasn't paying the attention in that very second that maybe they need like more for me. Yeah. And so like, I'll call them or I'll send, I'll be like, I'm sorry. I was like trying to get in the car and I'll resend a message and like, guys, it's going to be okay. We're going to get there. I'm sending you love. Remember that like what is supposed to happen is going to happen. Yes. And like we're one, every door that closes gets you closer to like the actual house. Yeah. And they're like, thank you so much. Like we were feeling really down and like, we just weren't sure. So we have to remember that it's our job to remain emotionally. What? Even. Even. And to encourage them and to set the tone, we set the tone for the transaction. Yeah. So if you're upset and emotional and you're getting desperate and you're getting freaked out, they're going to get freaked out. They're going to feel that and they're, you're projecting what's going to happen. I mean, this speaks to everybody. Lenders, lenders set the tone. I mean, everyone, escrow sets the tone. And so that's why surround yourself with an amazing team of people to close this. I have escrow, like escrow officers specifically the one I work with most is so calm and like mine too positive and amazing and like she sets the tone sometimes the buyers or sellers will come in and they'll be all just oh I'm so 
Escrow is like the calm they to are. the crazy storm at the end of yes. a transaction. Emotions are high. People are like writing these big ass checks. Like well, they're, they're crazy. Off, often like you can't sign until, well, you cannot sign or even get an assigning appointment until the lender has sent your loan documents to escrow because they can't schedule you. Um, so often people are like stressed out because it's last minute. It's last minute. They have to work. They they can't take any time off because they don't know when. And so it starts to be like an emotional thing. And so sometimes I feel like escrow gets people coming in being like, I think they have like degrees in psychology. I think they're just I like swear. angels. They're well, like I worked in escrow, and I know that like escrow gets to drink. Like oh yeah, well, when I, mean, I not worked, during not during work hours. I worked obviously, in escrow, but they like give you snacks and you we, get a drink after work. We might have no no. You don't drink while you close people's No, <laughs> but after, after hours, there's a yes. break room. So, I mean, yeah. I, so, as they give escrow snacks. They give escrow after, after hours alcohol. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a reward for them being angels in disguise. So They're like the Disney princess godmothers of the transaction. They're like, oh, and they like swoop in in their pretty sparkly and outfits. They just make everybody happy. They make everyone happy. But I think managing your own emotions so that your clients feel that like even keeled all is well yes like keep it even keep it positive mm-hmm. do not be negative like as negative as it could get just like flip it positively right so the minute you start with the negative self-talk it's going to make it all go negative and it's so unprofessional you guys so don't do it like it's really hard because this this market beats us down sometimes like it's not easy showing 10 15 houses writing five offers getting beat out on all yeah we get it like you need to go home and cry like you need to drink a glass of wine yeah maybe you need to do cry it into that champagne glass <laughs> that's okay but like that is not the kind of energy that we pass along so suck it up buttercup and mm-hmm. put on a smiley face i'm gonna end with a good story though okay So that client I was talking about, my cash client, Mm -hmm. we've been looking for a house for him for seven months. He's been extended. He has been in extended home, like hotel housing for seven months with his dog. That's really hard. That is super hard through the holidays. Yeah. He didn't go home for the holidays. He's a young dude and he is super positive. We have our like moments where he's like, oh crap, I'm never going to find something. We are cash. So we offer cash, obviously, but we've been beat out on... 12 offers maybe that's insane to me this last week he chose a different location to look for homes which was Mm -hmm. weird to me I was like Mm -hmm. wait you wanted to be in this location yeah and he's like actually I looked at this one it's two blocks away from the best vegan parmesan fries in Portland on Mississippi okay Victoria's I think it's what it's called yeah he's a vegan he loves it he's been there multiple times this house popped up while he was there one day and then his friends text something about buying a house super close to there one day, mm-hmm. that location. And he's like, I think I need to look at this house. He looked at it. When the open house was going, I wasn't with him. Then he said, I need to see it again. Can we go see it? And I said, great, let's go look at mm-hmm. it. It needs a lot of love, like a lot of love, like three stories of lots yeah. of love. It's from 1909. It's this amazing home. And he's like, I just think this is the one. And I said, okay, what do you need to do? And he's like, we've been in it. I mean, we saw it multiple times, daytime, nighttime, all the time. And he's like, I don't think I need an inspection because I'm just going to change everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, and I saw a shiny penny heads up under my car when I was leaving the last time I was there. And I said, oh, my gosh, let's go. I said, I'm a true believer in like things are meant to be. I have faith in that you're going to be in the house you're supposed to be in. And I said, weirdly enough, like. We got our offer accepted, and he closes on St. Patrick's Day. So, congratulations. Thanks. That was so heartwarming. 
And like, honestly, it just all the hard work, all the rejections, like they brought you to where you're supposed to be. And he was supposed to be in this home. Like it's this beautiful home. He's going to like pimp it out and make it look amazing. And he just feels like that's where he's supposed to be. And that is a true testament to literally everything we said, like about you just staying the course with him, having a good attitude, like being a positive pillar. Exactly. Keeping him buoyant and keeping him like in a good headspace and it all being okay. And then driving him forward with like, what's supposed to happen is going to happen. And then it does. And he was like, so he sent me this super long text. He's so sweet. And he was just like, it's kismet. It's meant to be. I wasn't superstitious, but now maybe I am. Like, it's to get meant his French to be. Fries. He, like, I'm going to get him the a fat gift card to yeah, those French fries. He's so happy. <laughs> he's going to need it with all like all that work he's got to do. He's going to yeah. need French fries. He's going to need French fries. That's such a good story. So, guys, just continue to just be your awesome selves. Like, put Stay your positive. good energy out there mm-hmm. for both yourself. Mentally take care of yourself. If you need a break, take a break. If you need to listen to our self-care episode, <laughs> it's one before this one. <laughs> But we love you guys. We're so thankful that you took time out of your day. We know you're so, so busy to listen to us. And follow us on social media. We love hearing your comments, your feedback, like funny comments that we don't remember we said. <laughs> like, we'll make them into a meme and <laughs> put them on our <laughs> social media. But we're on Instagram at selling underscore crazy. On Facebook, we are at selling crazy podcast. Um, You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Obviously, you're listening right now. So thanks. We're really thankful, you guys. And remember that you are always enough.